0: And the meeting is now being recorded. Wonderful. Um, Kyle, let's
1: let's begin. All right, good morning. This is a meeting of the San Francisco Urban Forestry Council. The date is Friday, January 26th. The time is 8.37 a.m. Please note that the ringing and use of cell phones, pagers and similar devices is prohibited. Please be advised that the chair may order the removal from the meeting room of anyone using a phone or similar device. Public comment will be available for each item on the agenda. For comments on matters that are not on the agenda, there will be an opportunity for general public comment. Participants who wish to comment will be asked to come forward one by one and speak into the mic. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Alternatively, members of the public may submit public comment by email to environment at sfgov.org. Comment it's submitted via email will be forwarded to the council members and will be included as part of the official file. I will now call the roll. Chair Lauchin. here. Vice Chair Crawford. Here, Member Sullivan. Here, Member Biset Faval.
0: Here, Member Nagel. Here,
1: Member Social Flores. Here, Member Spiegelman is excused. Member Salvadori is excused. Member Trang. Here, Member Potter. Here, Member Stringer. Here, and Chair Lachin, we have a quorum. Fantastic. Let us move on. All right. The next item is Item Two: Chairs Welcome and Land Acknowledgement. This item is for discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll quickly welcome everybody. Happy New Year. Uh, thank you years. all for coming.
2: Um, we'll, we'll have a bit of time to discuss some of the items on the agenda as well as some of the new items. Um, but let's keep moving on. So, Kyle, go ahead,
1: please with the land acknowledgement, the urban forestry council acknowledges that we occupy the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatosh Ohlone peoples who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco peninsula. We wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community, and to affirm their sovereign rights as first peoples. We honor the Ramatush Ohlone for their enduring commitment to steward Mother Earth. We recognize that the Ramatush Ohlone have lived in harmony with nature for millennia, and that to achieve a truly ecologically sustainable future for San Francisco, we must embrace indigenous traditional
0: ecological knowledge and how we care for the city's lands, waters, and all its people. Okay, through the chair, we can open it up to public comment. Are there any members of the public who wish to comment on this item?
1: This is the comment on land acknowledgement. All right, okay, and seeing none, public comment on this item is closed. Okay, through the chair, the next item is item 3 adoption of minutes of the October 24, 2023 urban forestry council meeting the explanatory document is the October twenty 2023 urban forestry council meeting draft and minutes. This item is for discussion and action.
0: I move to adopt the minutes. Second. Okay, through the chair. If there's no further discussion, we can open it up to public comment. Are there any members of the public who wish to comment on the item?
1: Okay. Seeing none, public comment on this item is closed. I'll now call the roll. Chair Lachin, aye. Vice Chair Crawford, aye. Member Sullivan, aye. Member Vissel Favel, aye. Member Nagel, aye. Member Social Flores. Aye. Member Spiegelman is excused. Member Salvador is excused. Member Trang. Aye. Member Potter. Aye. Member Stringer. Aye. And the motion passes. Perfect. Thank you. All right. The next item is item four. general public comment. Members of the public may address the council on matters that are within the council's jurisdiction and not on today's agenda. Are there any members of the public who wish to comment on this item?
3: Aye. Good morning. Uh, Denise Louie here. I have an ask. Which I'll get to after a few background details. I've been concerned about climate change wildfire impacts on trees since 2014 when Jake Sig pointed out the drought stressed trees along O'Shaughnessy Boulevard. My concern was heightened in 2021 during the lightning storm of 3,000 lightning strikes. I've been advocating for management of dense stands of city owned trees uh, since then. Supervisor Mandelman hosted a town hall where residents from Diamond Heights, Glen Park, and Mount Davidson expressed great concern about wildfire risk. Former Supervisor Norman Yee held a wildfire hearing in 2019 with Supervisors Mandelman, Peskin, and Safai in attendance. While the PUC has been removing dead, dying, and unhealthy trees, Large, dense stands of other city-owned trees remain unmanaged. Recent news. I have the attention of Supervisor Melgar, who promised to hold a follow-up wildfire hearing. I have the attention of Mayor Breed's climate advisor, Joseph Swice. I also have the attention of Tanner Marr from CAL Fire, who made a presentation to you not long ago. I also have an idea how to get Phase 2 of the urban force plan underway. Now, for my ask, I'd like to arrange a tour of Glen Canyon and Mount Davidson parks and Mount Sutro with Joseph swice from mayor Bree's office and Tanner Mar from. Cal Fire with. Someone from this council. So, if you would be willing to share your expertise on such a tour, please. Just say thank you. Great,
4: thank you. Which um, sites you'd like to tour? Pardon. Can you repeat which sites you you would like to tour? Oh,
3: um, Mount Davidson and Glen Canyon.
0: Thank you. Great, thank you for your comment. Are there any other members of the public who wish to comment on this item? Okay, and seeing none, public
1: comment on this item is closed. The next item is item five, discussion and possible action to nominate and elect council officers. The speaker is Igor Lachin, council chair. This item is for discussion and possible action. Okay, thank you, Kyle. Um,
2: As I think we all know, we are still in the process of changing the UFC officers, and it is time to elect the vice chair. And I think we've had nomination, but if not, I will repeat it now our colleague, Edgar Suchil Flores, um, for vice chair. And we need to vote on this. So Kyle will step me through the proper
1: procedures so I don't mess up, Um, so please. Thank you, Chair Lachin. So the council would begin with the position of vice chair and accept nominations for this position only. After nominations and discussion, there will be public comment and a vote. Members can nominate themselves. And nominations do not require a second in order for the council to vote on a nomination. Terrific. Thank you very much. So I nominate Edgar Sotil
2: Flores um, and. Well, I'll I'll ask Edgar if he accepts the nomination and then we can open it to public comment. Yes, I accept. Wonderful. Thank you. Terrific. Really, (laughs) really wonderful. Um, And I want to thank the past vice chair, Nick Crawford, for all of his work. And I'll thank the past chair in a minute, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, So, is there any discussion among the UFC members, or does anyone else wish to nominate somebody or nominate themselves? No. Wonderful.
5: Um, Kyle, do we need any action? Or you can do that at your discretion. So there wouldn't be a vote.
2: There will be. Well, I don't know. Will there be a vote? Uh, There will be a vote. There will be a vote. Okay, but before a vote, it's public comment, right? Yep, that's correct. So, but
5: I'll second. Uh the chair
1: moved, so I, I will second.
5: Terrific, thank you.
1: Okay, um, we can open it up for public comment on the nomination of um Edgar Socio Flores for the position of vice chair on the council. All right, nice. and seeing none, public comment on this item is closed. All right. Um I'll now call the roll, Chair Lachin. Aye. Vice Chair Crawford, aye. Member Sullivan, aye. Member Vice Favel? Aye. Member Nagel. Aye, Member Social Flores. Aye, Member Spiegelman is excused. Member Salvadori is excused. Member Trang. Aye. Member Potter. Aye. Member Stringer. Aye. And the nomination passes.
2: Wonderful. All right. Thank you all, and I mean thank you to all who who are willing to put in the the time and effort to serve. I I certainly appreciate it. And when we get to new new items, we'll talk about acknowledging people who have served and I'll say a few words about our. Outgoing chair,
1: Um, but for now, let us move on. The next item is item 6 discussion and possible action regarding the draft 2023 annual urban forest report. The speaker is Jesus Lozano, urban forestry council coordinator. This item is for discussion and possible action.
4: All right, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm excited to present to you what I think is our final version of this year's annual report, um, including updates um, as recent as this Friday. Um, Just clarifying some of the numbers that um, different agencies reported, maybe kind of over each other. I know that's happened uh, in in the past. So I wanted to just be thorough. Um, So, the main um takeaways this year were um the new the new number so now we're we're at a 1236 uh tree street deficit compared to the January 2017 street tree census largely due to a large loss of street trees uh last year it seems like we were getting close to catching up but um unfortunately the weather had other plans for us um the other kind of notable thing is that uh, for the 1st time, um, 1 of the, the, from the concerns section folks reported a lot more this year that they are concerned about the ability to provide wildlife habitat um, uh, over a couple of the other uh, concerns that have been the primary in the past. Um, And the new uh, funding request for for this report is uh, um, $15,250,000, which is a pretty significant increase from last year's request. Um, But that's just kind of how it goes. We lost more trees last year than we gained. Um, And Now, the number for, like, annual trees planted necessary to reach our goals by 2040 jumped from 4,300 trees annually to 5000 trees annually, which is a lot. But I will note that, um, in my research, uh, for the 20th annual section of this report that has been done in the past under, um, um. Gavin Newsom's trees for tomorrow campaign um, 25,000 trees were planted over a fi- over a 5 year period, uh, which actually ended up planted. Um, 25,000 was the goal. 26,408 was the result. So, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, the, that, that's like the, the big points. There's 1, just kind of note in the history and background that kind of, um, Puts a little bit more um, strength in the, in the request for the 15Million dollars um, in new annual funding is that the. Um, Surveyed report, the survey departments and agencies have identified lack of adequate and consistent funding and staffing constraints, the greatest limitation um, in all 20 years of this reports uh, existence. So as a little bit of a sad takeaway but you know we're we continue to advocate for for our trees and for our tree funding um i think that's the main uh, new takeaways from from this report um without having to kind of deliberate very much longer that that's all great
2: thank you very much jesus i know how much work this is and we really appreciate your efforts to corral all this information from this wide variety of sources that, you know, are sometimes cooperative, sometimes less so. <laughs> um, and it's it's always a bit of a slog. So thank you. Um, I, I don't have any comments. We talked about a couple of formatting things. Um, I do think it's really interesting that it's staffing and funding and staffing more than funding, at least according to these results, that that is a constraint. Um, The other is this issue of where do trees stand in your agency and the answer is they stand nowhere and that's also reflected
0: Mm -hmm. in these
2: results. Um, And the only other thing, you know, when we were talking about this this issue of planting, what needs to be planted to bring us back up to where we want to be, you know, it's 20, 25 trees a day. I mean, when you work it out, 5,000 trees over 200 workdays. Do I have that math right? So it's not, no, they mess up. Oh, no, no I, didn't. That's, I think it's about right. Right? It's about right. My math is not good, but it's not impossible. Right? 25 trees per day is not like a cosmic level goal. It's just, it, it does require staffing and funding. <laughs> so, um, anyway, that's, that's all I have. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to open it up for discussion by, um, council members.
4: To just add a little perspective to that, I think like Friends of the Urban Forest plantings put in like 30 to 60 trees. Every Saturday, so, you know, that's exactly right. So it's not like this is not. Thank you.
2: Yeah. So this is like feasible just that consistent staffing consistent
6: funding. Yeah. It's just a maintenance of the three years after that's really. Kill tell that I think that. Yeah.
2: so that's an interesting question right to what extent does the the maintenance need cut into the planting capacity i think that's a that's an interesting question and i don't know maybe it does maybe it doesn't um but that's that's a really there's definitely that maintenance requirement so
6: that doesn't go away (laughs) but the maintenance requirement to lean that maintenance requirement can be Simplified than just watering, you know, because, you know, I know we always like talking about corrective pruning. Sure. The first, Small the the you know, but the first three years of a tree planted, if you don't do any corrective pruning in that time, it it's it's not really like a big deal. Five years later, you can still correct still good, it, right? you know, and you're not saving that much money, or you know. Uh, or maintenance cost, it's its not, there's no much difference. On, on, you know, and you're not going to most likely climb that tree. So, you see, I mean, it's still going to be something that it can be done by someone that walked from the ground no matter what. So, I think like the cost for the tree training is not really, that's something that can be pushed away. The, the, the reality is really the watering that's been like, all the people that plant trees um, DPW uh,
0: yeah.
6: artists the something that they can't move away from and it's been a uh, main issue um, you know the great one is a project for housing project or um, a new building coming up because you know, planning department can say irrigated them and put irrigation. So the building, whatever owner, the landlord of the land, when they put those those new building, you know, they 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 irrigate it very often. They irrigated those those uh, if they have the permit with the city to be able to put irrigation line in a sidewalk, they can irrigate them, and that's that's kind of that's kind of curtail the cost on. You put the cost up front for that, you know, you want, you cannot do that obviously for. Housing like normal people's house, you know, but, you know, all those big, uh, new building that's coming up, you know, um, those are that's something that if it's not automatic, it can be added right away with the San Francisco planning department, you know, that it, need, it needs to have irrigation. So, you don't have to worry about. And they shut down irrigation after a year or 2, when the trees are usually those big projects, those projects actually putting pretty big trees compared to uh, what friend of grand forest or even uh, DPW are putting in, you know, usually they are, they are forced to put pretty large trees, you know, 36, sometimes 48 inch, depending of the locations inside of sidewalk and things like that. Yeah um and um we discussed in the past that also like because of the watering i I'm, i still really want to see a a, a a a true data of tree species size and how much water they need you know and and that's probably in the future something that you know that how much really each as water, you know, uh, in in the location and the concrete and things like that. We can we can bring that issue back up. I think it's yeah. it's a it's a couple of hours worth of discussion.
2: <laughs> so we probably want to bring that up as as its own separate thing and have nothing else on the agenda. Yeah, yeah, um yeah. There, there's there's a bit of, and I think we could probably settle on a pragmatic way to provide water without wasting any, just really. Mm-hmm. But again longer discussion that we probably shouldn't have today but thank you Morgan for pointing out the the that piece of the funding and staffing puzzle yeah please go
7: um, so regarding the 15 and a quarter million dollar ask um I just wanted to uh, I'm not suggesting we change anything anywhere we're at the 11th hour but I just want to contextualize this in terms of the fact that I mean Board of Supervisors um and the mayor are facing a pretty big budget crunch right now and asking for that much money um and i at this point um it's going to be it might not be received i mean it hasn't been received um with open arms necessarily before but it's going to be um uh i don't think we're going to have a really receptive audience because the all all agencies right now are being asked to um cut their budgets and uh there's no there's a uh, budget instruction in place not to add any new ftes <clears throat> Right at this time, so, um, I, I think we should still. Ask for that money and prioritize it, but I think in as far as we're doing any outreach to the board of supervisors, it needs to be, um. Understood in the context of the budget situation, um, which is, which is. To be frank, it's, it's going to be kind of dire in the next couple of years.
4: So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, at the state level as well. I think we have yeah. like 8Billion in climate action funding for from the state budget. Can you say that again? Just, like we, and at the state level, we're also losing like 8 plus billion dollars on climate climate work from the, from, from the state. So I think budgets will continue to be impacted. I think it's just figuring out how we advocate it.
8: I don't disagree that that's a hard
4: ask and probably unreceptive years that it's going to fall
8: on, but I don't think that that changes the ask. It's, I don't even know if it's as, as much of an ask as kind of just, yeah. I think it's just, you know, the, the, the data saying this is your goal. You're, you're actually going in the wrong direction and to course correct. This is what, what we think is a council is required. I think it just, it's just, a, a, I mean, part of it is an underlying ask, but um, and I think the other issue that is. Relevant is that the, um, the, the, the impact and I think the, 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 the return on investment for something like urban forests is a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a lot bigger um, return. I think, in my opinion, than certain other uh, city budget dollars can 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 provide. But yeah, so. Yeah, I'm not
7: sure if I have a recommendation here. I'm just saying that, um, you know, maybe, maybe in in time of budget uh budget crunch. We should we should advocate even more <laughs> yeah. for the money to make sure it doesn't get cut further. Um, but also, um, an ask like this does risk coming off a little bit tone deaf in in terms in, in the context of the budget situation because uh, there's no way this is going to get yeah um, yeah.
2: So, so so it's it's a matter of being kind of tone sensitive that, uh, regarding the times, while on the other hand, being honest about kind of this is what's needed, and and we know that. Both the board and, and you know the, the agencies have committed to all kinds of environmental goals, so then it's fair to say, well, to get there <laughs> yeah, Here's not, what we need understanding that we're not
7: going to be yeah, but job. that's not what we say in the report. We say we recommend. we say we recommend 15 point15 15 and a quarter. We don't say this is the budget crunch.
2: Yeah, I, so. okay, f- f- fair fair. Um, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah,
5: I I think we just keep asking and asking and, uh, I think about a a budget request that we put in 7 years in a row and we got denied for it. And then finally, there was a good budget year and we got the green light for it. So, uh, I think it strengthens things over time to say, we've asked for this for 5 years or 10 years or something like that. We've never been fully funded at what what we need to meet our goals or something just over time. then. When there's that windfall or there's that like federal surplus money or whatever it might come our way 1 time we, we could get that green light and then once you're allocated that funding it, it you're usually locked in, which is a great thing. But, um, I, I think to keep articulating what the, what the need is, is, is important. Um, and then also to, uh, to be comfortable with. Uh, some compromise on that, but I think that there's also some unexpected opportunities. Sometimes it could be funding for environmental justice goals and this could be suitable. We could, um. End up checking off a couple of boxes if they're trying to meet some carbon sequestration goals or stormwater um, uh, goals that tree planting could be a part of uh, not strictly like, a, um we're doing this because the council asked or something. Yeah.
8: I want to add something to the conversation that we may have in the future about cost. And I I think we need to advocate for a pilot program. To experiment with planting smaller trees that don't have irrigation and we have never explored that possibility, but there, the cost savings could be enormous in, in spite of the fact that we would likely lose a lot of trees in the process, but we haven't even talked about that as a possibility for alternate ways of getting these trees established. So I just wanna put that on the list, something to discuss and. Yeah,
2: thank you, it's on my list now. There was a, if you wanna go ultimate small trees, uh, in the 1970s, I think there was a bit of research on seeding, direct seeding of trees in landscape, literally acorns instead of anything else. Um, and the results are sort of promising, but there's some technical, interesting, technical issues. Very little work's been done ever since then. It's, it's really interesting. So anyway, topic for another day. Thank you for, thank you for suggesting it.
5: Uh, Question on page 25. Jesus, you've got uh, the the two figures, 3A, or sorry, it's just 3 and 3B, um, and you define it as nine of the surveyed agencies, versus all the agencies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that... Can you elaborate on the? Yeah, the
4: difference uh, so that I did, I did that last year as well. Um. And that's mainly uh, due to, uh, over the, la- the, the duration of that analysis only 9 agencies have re- reported numbers consistently. So there's a version of this where it, it's only really identifying the 9 or organizations that have provided data. Uh, annually, uh, but at the back of the, in the appendix of the report, there's there's the same figures, but with all um, of the reporting agencies. Over the whole period. Okay.
5: And then this is citywide and not strictly like street trees or something like that. So,
8: yeah. Just out of curiosity, are are there major data gaps that we think exist as a result of. Failure to report
4: Um, as far as street trees. No. Um, I think there continues to be data gaps on, um, some private and public land, but that's, you know, um. That's I think we have a lot more work to do than just the report. For for that, and not like in a way that calls anyone out, I think it's just a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, but as far as street trees, I don't, I don't think we have any data gaps for that specifically, unless there are questions that. We haven't asked so
5: you uh, or you mentioned some things that I just wanted to um, expand on the um, I think that the cost of. Storm work and tree removal can be really expensive, so we end up. Spending a lot of money and uh, uh, you don't get the pruning numbers, you get a bump in removals and you end up spending. Uh, Quite a bit of money and not making progress on our on our tree maintenance goals, which is frustrating but necessary because you've got to clear the roadway. Uh, and then I think in terms of the the staffing versus funding issues, uh, I think that is a frustrating pain point. There's been news stories recently about uh, even when you have funding, you can't hire can't hire fast enough or Uh, You're losing people faster than you can replace them uh, because of the. The hiring framework that can be extremely slow. So I, I think that, um, this is a really helpful. Thing to point to when we say uh, that there's some real impacts to the, um, the services being delivered as a result of that.
4: Uh, Just to add to that, specifically the smaller organizations, like really are still um, reporting, like hurting from staff losses during 2020, Mm -hmm. um, some of which have had their funding returned for a couple of years now and still have not been able to get staff back on.
0: Yeah. Terrific. Anyone else? Any other thoughts? I don't see any file. Well, shall we go to public comment hey, Are there any
1: members of the public who wish to comment on this item or do? Oh, hold up. Do we need to make a motion
2: at this point?
1: Um, this item is for a discussion and possible action. So if the council would like to entertain a motion to approve the draft report or recommend changes to be made,
2: so I, I mentioned a, sure a couple of
1: formatting changes, but so
2: everything, everything else is good. Um, did you all want and? A bit more time to look at it. No, should we approve? Shall we approve? Is everybody comfortable with that? Okay, in that case, I will move to approve.
1: A second. Thank you. And now. Did I do that right? Yep. <laughs> okay. Okay. Any members of the public who wish to comment on this item?
3: <laughs> I, I think we need to reevaluate our goals here because, first of all, To respect the Ohlone land that has been unseated. Why are we planting more trees and mostly non native trees? That must give us pause. Okay. Secondly. We don't even have the money to manage the trees that we already have. And I'm talking about the entire cover, including street and tree stands. Okay, so thirdly, when we're talking about the goal of addressing climate change, why aren't we focusing on the wildfire impacts on trees? And fourthly, when you talk about funding to plant more trees, Why don't you just include the whole thing like funding for planting and maintenance and removal of dead, dying and unhealthy trees. Reckon park has a paltry $500,000 for these troublesome trees. (sighs) Okay, and lastly, if you can imagine planting 25 trees a day, can you imagine? Removing or thinning 25 trees per day. Please, thank you.
1: Thank you for your comment. Are there any additional members of the public who wish to comment on this item? And seeing none, public comment on this item is closed. I'll now call the roll. Charlachan, aye. Vice Chair Social Flores, aye. Member Sullivan, aye. Member Favel? aye. Member Nagel, aye. Member Spiegelman is excused. Member Crawford? Aye. Member Salvadori is excused. Member Trang? Aye. Member Potter? Aye. Member Stringer? Aye. And the motion passes. Wonderful, thank you. And
2: again, thank you to all who have contributed to this report and foremost, um, Jesus Lozano, put it thank together.
1: Okay, the next item is item seven, discussion regarding the discovery of invasive hole bores in San Jose. speaker is Igor Lachin council chair the explanatory document is the ishbcdfa pest and damage record this item is for discussion okay so I'll
2: try to be very brief um, because this is sort of the beginning of the beginning what you have in your packet is a fairly formal document for department of agriculture with their identification of what was found and what they found were these very small beetles this is in San Jose um i think it was in a sycamore but it's actually listed in that pdr london plane L- london plane mm-hmm. okay um the so what is this is something we've been expecting for over a decade now. I don't think it's going to be terrible news to anybody. I was hoping we'd have a few more years, but so it goes. Um, these are the so-called invasive shorthole borers. So the acronym is I-S-H-B. You probably heard the earlier acronym polyphagous shorthole borer, but because nobody could pronounce the word polyphagous, they just decided <laughs> that it's easier to say invasive. I'm not joking. Um, they also discovered that there's more than one species involved. Um, the one they discovered in San Jose actually happens to be the original Polyphagus rojo borer. Um, there's at least two species, maybe up to five. Um, they all look exactly the same. You cannot distinguish them by looking at them. You have to grind them up and send them for DNA analysis, but they all roughly do the same thing. So what do they do? They are ambrosia beetles, um, which is a specialized kind of bark beetle. It's not really a great, way to put it but they're in that family and they bore into the wood of the tree they seed the tunnel that they made with fungi so they are mushroom farmers which is kind of cool they bring their own mushrooms with them unfortunately those fungi have negative effects for the tree and the invasive and they're very specific the beetles have their own fungus that they bring with them so it's not just any fungus it's their own Little special fungus. And unfortunately, these beetles picked fungi that seem to kill our trees. And so, what ends up happening is they're very small. They're between one and a half and two and a half millimeters. So, you can fit at least two of them on a grain of rice, uh, maybe more if you're looking at basmati rice. But they're very, very small beetles. Uh, Males don't fly at all, females do fly. They will land on a tree, they'll bore into the wood. So that's why they're not quite like bark beetles that stay under the bark. These beetles go into the wood because they don't need to eat the wood, right? They'll grow their fungus and eat the fungus. They stay in the tunnel. They are already mated by the time they land typically. So they will just lay eggs. They can just go lay eggs. The larvae hatch um it takes as little as fifteen days for the larvae to complete its life cycle. That's in Southern California. I'll mention that in a second. It'll probably be considerably longer here because insect development is controlled by temperature, so we are colder. They will probably be able to complete their life cycle, but they will very likely be much slower. How much slower their models that show, but I think we'll have to sort of wait and see. The larvae stay in the tunnel, feed on that fungus that's growing on the tunnel. They mate with their siblings, which is unfortunate because one of the control points for bark beetles is the moment when they leave and seek mates. These guys don't need to seek mates. They're already ready to go. So they will simply leave. Again, the females fly away, the males kind of don't. Move on to the next tree, bore, lay eggs, cycle, restarts. The Remarkable thing about these guys, the invasive shallow is that they have a very wide host range. So that's the first thing that there's anywhere from 67 to hundreds of tree species in which they're potentially capable of completing their life cycle. That's the one thing. The other thing is they don't require badly stressed trees. Whereas our previously arrived ambrosia beetles, that is a hallmark of ambrosia beetles is that they want a stressed tree that's not going to be able to defend itself. The investor followers tend tend to be less discerning. And they they seem to be able to attack trees that are not overly stressed, although they still seem to prefer stressed trees. So keeping trees from getting stressed is still a valid management technique. The So when you look at that giant host range, all those species that potentially could be attacked, the people in Southern California have really narrowed things down to what they call reproductive hosts. So species, tree species, in which this insect can complete its life cycle. Obviously it'll prefer those, um, but it can attack, once once the populations build up high enough and the beetles get desperate, they will attack trees that are just nearby they'll fail to complete their life cycle in most of those species, but they can still damage the tree. So it's, it's kind of, it's not good news, bad news, it's bad news, bad news, but not all trees are at the end of the day equally susceptible. And then of the reproductive hosts, and we have a list of about 70, almost 70 reproductive hosts, there's fewer than 20 that are typically killed by the beetle. And this was a big discovery in Southern California over the last decade they've been around for over 10 years in Southern California so there's some there's considerable experience with managing it Um, so there is roughly I think there's 17 or so species of trees that are killed by the beetle Um, not all of them are killed every time but there's enough mortality to where They're in their own little separate group of trees we need to worry about. Um, These include both California native trees and commonly planted ornamental trees. I can read you the list. A number of these are riparian trees. And this beetle seems to have had its sort of worst effects in riparian areas. So willows have been hard hit, cottonwoods, and of these sort of more ornamental trees box elders are one of the worst affected trees we don't have that many box elders but we do have them so that that's like that's what i'm trying to get at where we're going to focus our efforts first is likely going to be those trees rather than a sort of across the board surveying. the Management methods are not great. Part of the management ma- management is monitoring the beetle and essentially preventing buildup of large populations. And it tends to happen that the beetles will focus on one tree, an individual tree, and really multiply in that tree. So you'll have multiple generations of beetles in on that same tree. If you can spot that and remove that tree, that tree is not going to recover anyway. It's just serving as a source of infestation. If you can do that, the Experience in Southern California suggests that that is a very effective way of managing the problem because the other trees nearby, they may have gotten infested, they will recover um, as long as they're not continuously pummeled by beetles from this one source. So, removal of infested branches where you have a normal tree that you want to save and the, the infestation often starts in branches, that is one valid way of doing it. Removal of these in amplifier trees. Again, a valid way. There are chemical control methods that tend to work reasonably well. Um, it's either trunk sprays of, and, and the interesting part is it's a combination of insecticide and fungicide, which is not something that's commonly done. Um, but in this case, they found that that worked best. So for topical insecticides, bifenthrin has been used, which is a pyrethroid. Um, it's say that again the- bifenthrin, B I F e-n-t-h-r-i-n so, yeah
6: and all other noises
2: no it's it's yeah well it's 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 a <laughs> it's a pythroid, so it's very non-selective um and it's a trunk spray so again whatever's on the trunk or whatever lands on the trunk going you not know, have a problem the tricky part is you have to time it well because again they're not hanging out. So so normal bird beetle would hang out in the trunk waiting for a mate, right? Waving its pheromones around. That's not what these guys do. They just get out and leave. And then they when they alight on a tree, they just bore in again. They're not waiting to, you know, start a family. They already sort of have a family going. Um, but that is one option. Systemic options are um, imidacloprid either injected or soil wrench or um, um and then the fungicide my understanding is all in all of these cases was chlorpyrifos. no 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 I blew that I blew that. fungicide is hold on hear me say no 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 I, I blew the entire class of compounds. chemical control
0: I, th- maybe it is chlorothalonil. Give me a second. I will, I will get
2: that to you.
7: It would be helpful also to know where these pesticides lie on the reduced risk pesticide list. Um, uh, or,
2: propiconazole, sorry. Or,
7: or.
6: propiconazole. Okay, so yeah, fungicide. Yeah, that's uh, the fungicide. Uh, Bifenthrin. you know, those can, and imapricodiloseus drench, I can't pronounce it, I'm sorry. Um, I think bifatron is on the red list, um, in the city list, we have to look to double check on the, on the chair. It depends of the concentration that is used. And uh, there's a good chance for the bark spray. It's probably pretty high concentrations. It takes insist on it, it's really on it, probably what they use for scale, you know scale treatment. I, I, I'm i not 100% sure, but I know life and trend is probably the most effective pesticide up there, the most, that's what has been used in the U.S. for termites, you know, and that's... That, been... is a,
2: that is a bark spray, so you gotta time it just right. Yeah. And I don't think we have the timing for this beetle here quite oh, yet, yeah. we don't know, right? Yeah. So we'll, there will be a little bit of a lag. Um, I, do, I will say that these are, this is not an option for things like repairing areas or natural areas, simply because of cost. Even if everything else were workable, the cost is, I, I, I don't think is. this is really for high value ornamental trees where you have a, a defined plan for for that tree. And it may be useful if you have, you know, say you have just sycamores in a park and you're going to lose all of your large trees in one go, this may be a reasonable strategy in in the short run. Um, but that's a good point. Where do these pesticides fall on the city list? I don't know. And we can certainly look that up. Yeah, it's that's a, that's a good question. Yeah, it's a, a good question. Um, they, I know in Southern California, they've tried to work out multiple options specifically so that you know, depending on your situation, you'd, you'd have something. But ultimately, um, they're still working on biocontrols. There's nothing imminently available. So they've, they've been trying. Um, no, I, I yeah, not nothing imminently available. And if I can editorialize it, tad, Ed, um, it would take probably somewhere around a hundred million dollars and about a decade to develop. And we just have not put in that kind of money into this pest. It's doable. Biocontrols are very doable, but they take the kind of money that outside of agriculture we rarely seem to be willing to invest. Um, I think that's it. The only other thing is so. So where is it, and and kind of what we can expect? It's been spreading through Southern California, not super fast. I I would add over the last twelve years or so. Eventually, it made it to San Luis Obispo, and there were these reports of scattered finds up in the Bay Area, nothing really confirmed until now. Uh, it's in San Jose. It's on a few trees. That's the best I've got at the moment, and they are trying to delineate the, uh, the extent of the infestation. Jesus, you got
4: a little bit of notes. Uh, so it's 12 different um, um, London planes. Um, a handful of them, which can be considered amplifiers, um, and they are all, um, near within, like, a pretty short distance of Coyote Creek, and I don't think we have a sample of, of uh, Willows, um, no. they haven't identified it along for at golf course. Um, um, crazy. um but they have reported there's uh, there's been a little bit of struggle of getting enough people out to look for them um and specifically do because. could just
2: great yeah that was the latest info from san jose thank you Jesus. yeah so we're early days um the one of the challenges is the official rating of this pest um depending on how cdfa and usda rate the pest it sort of triggers different um regulatory actions but it also frees up resources and unfortunately (laughs) this is a and tree will correct me from b as in boy rated pest which which roughly means that it's the every county's agricultural commissioner is sort of on their own um, as to how and what they um, can and want to do about the pest. There are some state resources, um, and there because again, this has been in Southern California for over a decade. There are some state coordinating bodies that really were stood up, the namely the Invasive Species Advisory Committee, they were stood up because of this pest. So we're not starting from scratch, and the University of California has developed a fairly substantive library of educational materials. And if you want to have a look at those ishb.org is the website to go to Um, there's a whole bunch of videos on scouting trapping management and disposal of wood and so at the moment and and we were very lucky to have our own agricultural commissioner cream morgan here and i'll turn it over to cream in a second if somebody's asking what they should do now i think the two things are reasonable is keep an eye out for any sort of very weird tree mortality that involves these very small beetles they're not the the beetles themselves are small but the effects on the tree are quite striking which is that you have hundreds of small exit holes and the holes are about as big as the tip of your pen
8: did you say there is a staining associated with
2: it? There's usually staining associated under the bark. So you have to scrape the bark off to see the stain, depending on depending on the tree. Some trees, you'll see the stain and the gum on the surface. Other trees, you'll see nothing. It's just a dry exit hole. But if you scrape the, the bark, you'll see a little bit of stain underneath. Do you see the frass
9: coming out? Not
2: usually. So the question is, do you see frass? Not usually, because these are so small, the frass flies off. But occasionally, if you look down, like if you have a, cobwebs under the tree the frass yeah. effectively gets caught okay. in cobwebs and you can see it but with these no no it's it's our our ambrosia beetles the the native ones and the native bark beetles push out kind of bigger frass so you see that right yeah
9: and, and you mentioned um it's associated with fungi the the trees, mm-hmm. se- uh the beetles seem to introduce mm-hmm. the, the spore or something to mm-hmm. infect the tree yep. so it sounds like the the beetle. Most cases, the beetles are to kill the tree, and and if they don't, does that mean if you control the beetle, and now the mycelium, the the fungi is kind of establish into tree like a uh, with uh, like mostly honey mushroom. No, okay. no, these don't make these. So the question is, what is the fungus? It's Fusarium.
2: And Fusarium doesn't really make showy fruiting bodies. Um, so no, you wouldn't see the fruiting bodies. Yeah. Um, they would, and they, really, the fungus is completely dependent on the beetle. We can spread it mechanically with contaminated tools, but really the fungus wants the beetle. That's yep. how it spreads so if you kill the the i think you were asking what happens with the fungus in trees that survive yes the trees essentially outgrow the fungus um the the problem is with the kind of compromise of the vascular system the damage to the trees vascular system so if the tree can stay alive enough to put on another year's worth of growth it can outgrow the problem it's those trees that get hit over and over again, or the amplifier trees that have a high population that breeds in that tree and they just, you have the same tree serving as host for multiple years, that's where we see problems. Um, and again, if you've got 10 generations per year, which is thought possible in Southern California, you can see how that, that tree would have a problem. But again, it is cooler here, so. It's, but. And,
9: oh, sorry, uh, got, um, and, do the, what about the natural defense system of the tree? Like, is the other the, the native one? Do they have a better defense system? No,
2: unfortunately, the native uh, native um, sycamores on the list of trees that get killed. Oh. So, of the native trees that get killed, I can read you the list. It's the big leaf maple, a few box elder. Most people don't care too much, but you know we can have quite a few of them in a spot the native California sycamore, the, then you've got the sort of riparian trees, the Fremont cottonwood, the black cottonwood and black poplar, uh, then black willow, red willow, arroyo willow, and then very unfortunately, um, valley oak. Um, one of the worst amplifier plants uh, as a tree is the castor bean. <laughs> I don't think anybody cares about castor bean. Yeah. But that was one of the plants where they found it early on. So if you've got sort of areas that are invaded by castor bean, that would be worth looking into. But certainly willows and cottonwoods would again be worth looking into. The general recommendation from people who were doing this down south was
6: box elder. <laughs> Look at box elders. But it's concerning for the city and country of San Francisco because we don't have a lot of riparian area. They're very stranded. Uh only few of uh, organizations maintain them.
8: Yeah.
6: Some spend a lot of money in it. And so I uh, look at uh Presidio Trust, you know, uh what they've been doing, especially recently, you know, uh with the connections of the riparian area all the way down to the bay. So, here, so this is pretty scary. Yeah, you so, know, Grand so Canyon yeah. has a huge population of willows, And if it will have go to like the whole canyon ecology will change and it will take years for them to go back so i
2: think what we might want to do is get somebody from southern california to speak specifically on the riparian issue because i think that the beetle has behaved a, a bit differently in different settings and so it'd be interesting to hear you know we're not going to use chemical control in a repairing area is just not going to happen but it'd be interesting to hear okay what have people done and what has the recovery looked like things do recover it's just the question do they get hit with beetles yeah. again so i think that's a good that's a good um discussion topic cuz there's going to be I
6: a planet of <laughs> One of those trees the last eight, 10 years yeah. now. So
2: we'll, we'll have more. This is the beginning <laughs> of the beginning. We'll have a lot more meetings. You all will be invited. Um, and I think we can hear from both people who manage natural areas in Southern California, but also people who manage urban trees where occasionally maybe you do want chemical control. And then people who manage parks, either regional parks, urban parks. Again, what have you all been doing? They, they have done a lot of work they do have a lot of experience so i think we should start by following their lead and then seeing where things differ for us um that's it that's all i'm going to say because again beginning of the beginning um i'm happy to take a couple of quick questions then i want to turn it over to 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 our guest um i just looked it
5: up uh is on the uh reduced risk list but in, in a specific use case, so we would have to see if that would be improved here. And then shockingly, Dinoteferin is on that list, but only in fly traps, which is like, oh, dinotefuran is the more soluble version of imidacloprid, which is risky, especially in the riparian areas. But it's solu- it metabolizes very quickly, so it doesn't persist. So some kind of trade offs there. If we wanted to propose um, a, a treatment, we would have to go to the. Um, reduced risk pesticide group with a. Proposal and say, this is why we think the risks are worth it. Uh, you know, look at what are the, um, regrettable substitutions, you know, do we lose tons of plants or do we use. Other less toxic materials, but in 10 times the quantity to control it, Like we'll, we'll have to run those. This first. is an <inaudible> excellent point because we didn't have this problem,
2: <laughs> so we didn't have to do the sort of benefit risk calculation for these stronghold borders um now we do so again still early days
5: and then from a policy standpoint i think we should consider what and i'm sorry i only care about street trees here but right. that's the hat i'm wearing here so uh it's a little bit different we could do a trunk spray uh without Uh, you know having overspray into a a, um, stream or something like that so that could be an option but you're also working you're interfacing with humans more in that setting too so have to consider that so if if we need a a, an approach to proactively remove an infested tree we don't really have that in the ordinance it's more safety related so I think it could be a a useful tool to say like if we spot it We want to have the authority to be able to remove it without appealing to the feds to say i need you to declare an emergency so i can remove one of my trees or something yeah okay that's a very good
2: point actually um and we can yeah i think we'll we'll try to get a set of meetings with people from southern california and see how they handle because i bet you this came up before this issue of proactive removal is actually not allowed so how did you did you change the ordinance or did you is there a way to frame it differently um, the I, just one final note I promise um, trees that are heavily infested are dangerous to climb I don't think anybody here climbs, but if you have crews that climb once the trees are heavily infested they should not be climbed um, the interestingly in those hosts that are not killed the beetles seem to prefer canker margins they seem to prefer trying to go in through margins of already problem parts of the tree so if you've got you know limb with a canker and i get the beetles and you definitely should not use that limb to tie off of um and i think there have been injuries in southern california from climbers um that's reminiscent of uh, emerald ash borer too yeah yeah or lines limbs break so i'm going to shut up
8: um unless there are any
2: super quick questions
8: um yes one comment. comment when we get into these things one of the things that we'll be really interested in is early detection survey protocols
2: yes wow that's a perfect segue to our guests um morgan so uh, i think we have to open it for public comments is that right kyle or can we just
1: mm-hmm. have uh, we we a commission public comment at the conclusion of this item i just got one quick question oh no is um san jose the furthest north we've it's been detected. The question is: Is it first north?
8: Yes. What about so, east or west?
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, no. So no. Uh, good. Good. Good question. It is the furthest north, and that's it. Your next find is in San Luis Obispo. So yeah, weird, weird, but so it is. So um, detection, scouting, trapping. Um, thank you very much. Agriculture Commissioner cream Morgan for for coming to speak to us, please. Um, introduce yourself and and. um, Commissioner Morgan's agency is actually the tip of the spear, so to say on this issue.
10: Um, and we're very lucky to have him here today. Please. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Council. Um. So I'm the I wrote to Commissioner in the seal of Weights and Measures for the City and County of San Francisco. Just by rate of context, there are 54 commissioners that serve 58 counties in, in California. The reason those numbers don't line up is some counties share a commissioner. Um uh, Inyomono, very small, sparsely populated. Um so here in San Francisco, I work at the Department of Public Health. Um, it's again, another longer story. I won't go into, but typically I would be a uh, commissioners or heads of the Department of agriculture in their respective counties. These are statutory positions like auditor controller sheriff that have been around since the 1800s. Um, so, here in San Francisco, I run a team of 14 positions in 3 major program areas. We have agriculture weights and measures and pesticide use enforcement. Obviously, you can imagine with the. Conditions of the county, we have a lot more weights and measures activity than we do agriculture, because we don't have fields and farms. We have lots of people measuring things and transactions and I'm happy to follow up any any of this material. If you guys want to talk later. I won't go into the great, great long detail. Um, as the chair mentioned, um, I work closely with the Department of food nag as well as the department of pesticide regulation. Um, uh, parenthetically, I also help uh, with the department. Of the environment as a co sponsor of the IPM technical advisory committee meetings. So, Hazis and I um, spend. A, Time every month talking to each other about these things. Um, So, uh, as far as the shuttle board, yes, it has been around for a while. Um, I became commissioner sealer here in San Francisco in 2016. and that was 1 of the 1st presentations that I got uh, as a commissioner was about this issue in Southern California. Um, And I have materials if you guys want background stuff um, on this as well. So. it is a concern so, in general, um, agriculture commissioners are responsible for pest detection, just looking for novel pests, fruit flies, anything that would affect agriculture and the environment. Again, San Francisco is unique or not unique, but is, is different than other commissioner uh, offices. We don't run a detection trapping program. So um, currently the, the Department of food nag runs the trapping program for all insects in San Francisco. Um, you know, we're talking the typical med fly Oriental fruit fly. Um. Spongy moth, uh, so I don't think that the invasive shawl hole is in their trapping portfolio at the moment. Um, I don't know. I haven't spoken to them about it, but it may be something they add to the list later, or maybe not. Um, so again, um, chair Lockton's comment about the B rated pest status, a rated pests are statutorily required. I'm, I'm statutorily required to deal with them. I have no choice. It's not not an option. So it says, you must, you shall deal with a rated pest, b rated pests. It's up to my discretion. So basically, I'm not mandated to do something, but I would have the ability to do something if I chose to. All of this, is, of course, is contingent on funding. I only have three ag inspector positions, two people in them, one vacancy. We're barely able to do the work we are doing. We aren't going to be able to start a trapping program or run extra um, activities. However, though, during the pandemic, right after the pandemic in 21-22, we did do a small trapping program. Um, it's a longer story I won't go into, but we had. Um, 6 locations, mostly in the south uh, east part, you know, around the um, Mercology site tunnel hill and then, um, Lake Merced. Basically, it was a statewide delimitation. They wanted to say, we know it's in the southern part of the state. We have no idea where, where where else it is. And the only way you really determine that is by putting out traps with pheromones and then monitoring them in a consistent manner. The trapping guidelines were a little challenging for San Francisco, because they talked about um, you know trapping near um, tree nurseries, firewood, lots, campgrounds. Um, riparian area so, you know, all the things that you would expect we just discussed. So, we found some sites that were reasonable and we put traps up for 7 months and had no fines and these are uh, traps with a lure in them. So, basically, they are reproductive uh, lure as again, they mentioned it's not. Like, they're flying around too much, so maybe it wasn't the most effective trapping strategy, but it, it was there. We had traps. If we had a heavy infestation, I presume we would find something. Um, so again we trapped in the southeast part of the state of the the county and then a little bit over around lake merced um so my colleagues in san jose and and santa clara county are going to be dealing with this and actually meet we meet with them monthly we meet with all the commissioners in the bay area monthly so i'm going to be meeting with um commissioner DeVinny next week and i'll I'll bring this up and we'll talk about it i don't know if there's any questions you want me to pass on to him (laughs) i'm happy to share it we can be a conduit um it's an interesting position because i work for the county but i interface with the state and all the other county commissioners so we're in a kind of a good position um i'm also mandated to regulate pest pesticides so basically it's not homeowner pesticide use that's sort of been exempted back in the 80s when they started passing all these laws but it's really agricultural pest control use and and structural pesticides use so we have one individual who's our pest enforcement officer phil calhoun he does a great job a wonderful resource really excited to have him on my team and most of our work is structural, but we do look at maintenance gardeners. We would look at any agricultural applications if, if there were any, but we don't have any production agriculture to speak of. So we don't really have any people spraying their their crops. Um, so, we would um, regulate the person using the material, like all of the, your staff that would spray pesticides have to get state licenses. Typically, they have to register also with me as the local uh, hand for the regulations. So, we would be involved, but we wouldn't actually be doing the work. We could definitely help if there were questions as far as training and, and guidance on the materials. Um, so, the other thing I was going to bring up is that we also are the 1st line of defense for pest exclusion. So we have obviously a lot of things coming into the city. You know, we, we send inspectors to ups and FedEx every morning to look at packages because people ship in things, plant material with insects. Um, we also look at truck shipments that come in from out of the state or out of the county. We're less concerned, for example, about trucks coming from Oregon, because they have less pests to worry about than they would from Southern California where we're mostly concerned about the glassy wing sharpshooter. Um, I should have started with, we have about 15 contracts with the state to do much of this work. So we get paid to do the glassy wing sharpshooter inspections from the, the state's Pierce's disease control fund. So that's an important program that we've been keeping the the glassy wing sharpshooter from spreading throughout California. I don't know if there's gonna be an IS um, invasive shot hole borer fund or something it's a really complicated process as as Igor mentioned it's not something you can just point out and say oh yeah that's what it is because we have native native borers Um, i should have also mentioned i worked for 16 years in sonoma county as an uh, inspector and biologist and later environmental specialist so i did a lot of work with sudden oak death i ran the the program up there and obviously beetles are part of that as trees decline then they start getting infested so we had lots and lots of discussions about looking for frass and looking at the spider web was a great comment the spraying, as you um, were mentioned, is not very effective because they're so deep inside the wood. But the idea was, if you can coat the outside of the tree, when they come out, when they go back in, they'll get a bite of some poison. But that's a very tricky timing, because as soon as you get a rainstorm or something wears off, and, and you can't, like you said, you can't douse an entire riparian area with pesticides. It's just not practical, functional, or even reasonable. So. Um, so, I think if, um, if, and just going back to the other comment, if the, the, the street trees that are being planted are coming from Southern California, we would be inspecting them. We would obviously encourage everyone to buy plants locally, but we don't have people producing trees of that size in this area. So, just um, this fascinating conversation, I should have probably come to these meetings more frequently and probably hopefully come to the ones in the future. So just let me know when they're happening and, um. Yeah, looking uh looking forward. I'm happy to talk about weights and measures, but that's not really of a, a concern here, but we can talk about it down the road. Um I'm happy to answer any questions if anyone has any.
2: Great. I just want to thank Cree once again for coming on super, super short notice. And as you heard, Cree's plate is full um as it is, um uh, at commissioners deal with this pesticide regulation part, big part of their job, pest exclusion, big part of their job. So um yeah, it's always a question of resources and, and capacity. Um, but anyway, thank you. Um, uh, I will talk much more about surveying and
10: trapping and all that And Cree's office will be involved. I actually 1 more thing. Sorry. I have yeah. To interrupt. Um, we have a relationship with the state lab. So if there's an insect find, we could be a conduit to get that insect identified. Um, obviously anyone can submit things to the state lab, but I don't know if they listen to or take our samples 1st, or how that works. But no, that's
2: that's a very good. That's a very good point. So we should try to work with. Cree's office, um, there will be and we'll talk about that in the future about, you know, when people start calling us with I've got an insect. What do I do? They've had the situation in Southern California for a decade and they've developed a pretty good kind of a flow chart to online flow chart to like is this likely to be a shot bore before you swamp the local commissioner's office and the state lab with all kinds of beetles um go step through the little online tool and see if it's even likely in the ballpark so but yes we should we should try to work with crease office I think not only do you get priority but it allows the you to keep track of what's going on and allows the state to Keep a bit better track it makes it
10: this more of an official sample yeah. although once it comes back from the lab it's an official result regardless yeah. of who submitted it but yeah. it's always nice to have the no
2: it's
8: i think it's it's
2: if if possible yeah maybe
8: got one question thanks yeah. for coming appreciate it um for those uh the riparian areas that are on federal land any options for coordinating with you guys? at moment?
10: That's a great question. And that's 1 of the other sticky wickets that we always deal with here. Is It's theoretically federal and it's an enclave. It's not in California. So, all the statutory powers I have don't theoretically apply, although most of the federal partners are willing to work with us. And well, I mean, for example, we uh, had a farmer's market at the VA. So, I, I sort of mentioned also 1 of the other major programs is farmers markets. So we have to license and inspect and register and um, inspect them. So, we had a, 1 at the VA, which is a federal property and they were self um, agreeing to follow the, the rules, the state rules. But then they, there was a change in their um, uh, organization and they, the new person was like, no, I don't want to follow these rules. So, they are exempted because they're not in California. It's like, they're in Nevada. So, um, I think, hopefully they would want to see the bigger picture and not hold on to their federal status. And they want to work with our partners to solve these problems. But we'll see. That's a great question though. Yeah, and blue
2: forest service has been involved. In this, uh, at least to some extent, some of their scientists were early on. Involved in in figuring out the shuttle war. so we would definitely want to. um, Involve the the foresters as well and just call them if you have a federal situation, say, hey, you know,
8: I'd say for us, because we it's part of our mandate in the Presidio to really protect these riparian areas as much as possible. We would be very interested in setting up a early detection system so we'd love to coordinate with you guys yep
10: Uh, yeah so it probably would be more with the state and i and i should have also mentioned that the the funding that we got for the original trapping program was from ucanr not from cdfa so i don't know how cdfa's penciling this into their projects but
2: i think it was it was sort of a roundabout way it was state funding that came to the university that then went out to local entities and it was confusing what? for a lot of people. Here. It was very confusing. I remember what is this? Yeah. So um, a lot of entities will be involved. It's gone reasonably well, I think, that coordination in Southern California. I haven't heard any nightmare stories, but then people probably wouldn't share those in an open forum either. So that might be a
10: further yeah. discussion. Yeah, for all the, the, the headache we have about thinking about the potentialities, it does like temperatures above 68. So that's not super common here. So I think that's like we mentioned it's going to either limit the spread or reduce the the speed of the
2: of the spread. It, I I so, so just the comments since screen reminded me, the the initial projections for this pest were really quite dire, and they they make perfect sense given the host range, given the temperature models and all that. It doesn't seem to have panned out quite as bad as as we have thought. In fact, it. I don't wanna say this because I wanna jinx things, but it hasn't been nearly as bad as it could have been. Doesn't mean it still won't, I guess it still has a chance, but um, it'll be interesting to see sort of what combination of monitoring, management, and just conditions um, come together to to limit the the damage. The original predictions were something like 30% of the, the urban trees to be wiped out. That and again, given the host range, given the generation time, that was all plausible. It has not happened. Um,
1: yeah.
2: riparian areas, some places have taken a huge hit, and I, I don't want to speak too much about it because, frankly, I don't know the latest stuff. I've seen those horrible pictures, that okay, so
6: golf
10: courses, to, courses and
2: yeah.
10: yeah, Tijuana
6: River, yeah, uh, creek. You know, actually, straight out along. Is going through there because you have all the minutes. So Maybe some data from the federal government. I, I think we'll we'll get people yeah. to talk about that. But it's then. like I you, you want to see the picture of before and after of the creek. It's pretty scary. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want to see those. We've seen those pictures. <laughs> we don't want to look at those pictures again because
2: I think things have recovered to some extent. <laughs> but then the question is, okay, what happens next? Like, are you stuck with you know tiny willows because anything gets bigger gets hit again? So the, it's on my list. As we develop more connections with Southern California, we'll have more people come and talk about it.
9: Any questions for Creed? Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, with the warming temperature, so summer, our summer's are much warmer now. Uh, sounds like that's a big jump. Um, so a uh, um, couple of questions just in my mind. Uh, from San Luis Obispo to San Jose, that's a big jump in distance. Do we know how? How does pests get to San Jose? Was it from fire chip? I mean from firewood or uh, nursery stocks uh, and what is the quarantine or uh, what does your office think about like potentially what to watch for? How does its pest jump? And what's the life cycle? How does it survive
10: without the hose? How long does it take? Uh, You You want me to get both answer a little bit. So I say that I'll talk to my commissioner colleague from Santa Clara tomorrow uh, next week and ask him my question. Maybe they have some answer. I mean, they in the trainings on the trapping overview, they talked about firewood. So if you cut down an infested tree that has beetles in it and you drive it somewhere and you pile it up, then the beetles leave. And they they will spread. I don't know if that's the only method. They're not going to fly very far. They're very small and not interested in flying. So I would imagine it have to be some human activity is the only source. But go ahead. Nursery
9: stocks.
2: I am guess I will guess blindly that it was some kind of wood, simply because nursery stocks certainly a possibility. Um, But at least there's there's been recognition for a while in Southern California that this is a problem. So they are.
10: At least looking for it. And nursery stock tends to be treated fairly and and most nurseries don't sell trees that are full of holes that are bleeding. I mean they're not gonna sell something that looks bad. They don't that's the nature of trying to sell whereas wood,
2: you know, you can save 50 cents by getting this wood right over here and then driving it up. And unfortunately we're so close to Southern California that yeah, if you have a sizable piece, not even sizable, small piece of wood and you drive it up from the infested area, yeah, it's it's very possible that the beetles are in it. Yeah. I didn't talk about wood disposal. We can talk about that at some other point. Chipping seems to be a perfectly reasonable option. There's not 100% kill, but there's something like 99 point something percent kill. So again, it's really going to be moving chunks of wood, moving pieces of wood is, is going to be, our our biggest problem.
9: So the wood chip, no problem, but you chip a, uh, uh, a disease tree and you chip it out, you're able to use that chip. And so it would not.
2: yes, sort of. The the recommendations differ whether depending on whether you're in an already known infested area or whether you are next to one, or, or you're sort of, you don't yet have the infestation. If you don't yet have the infestation, the recommendation is to not move those wood chips outside of the area, even though, again, chance of spreading beetles is actually quite small. Um, if you're in an infested area, then it's perfectly fine to use those wood chips. You're not amplifying the problem by using the wood chips. Yeah, it's there, and you're not, you're not spreading it, you're not amplifying it. And then there's, if you compost the chips, they're safe to use anywhere. If you solarize the chips again, they're safe to use anywhere. Solarization is not going to be super practical here, right? Orange County more so here, eh, maybe not. But yeah, I'll shut up questions for Crete, please.
5: So big thanks for coming.
10: Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I think it's important that we just be aware of it. And like you said, at the beginning of the beginning and, and perhaps if there's funding available, some sort of just prophylactic traps out there and occasional look, you know, look to see if it's out there. We'll just keep an eye on it.
0: Wonderful. Public comment or yeah, this sort of <coughs> If there's no further discussion, are there any members of the public who wish to comment on this item? Thank you.
11: Good morning. Cuz my name spell people call me different names, so I put my name. My name is Ellen Li Zhao. I thank you for doing so. I myself like oxygen and like tree. I have no problem with tree. But lately I've received a quite a number of complaints in my neighborhood. You plant tree without notice. You plant tree without agreement by forcing. Take out people's land and put a tree in. And when people don't want a tree.
1: Just to clarify, this is public comment on the invasive shot hole boars discussion item.
11: Yes, this is a tree place. This is environmental. I'm letting you know the environment does not accept tree. Then you should work with whoever come to this place about tree. Don't plant a tree outside a home when people object.
1: Again, to clarify, this is the public comment on the invasive shot hole item. This is not about issues. Environmental. I'm to here to express places. my
11: uh, my opinion about environmental. This is an environmental uh, public hearing because he talked about a lot of tree, tree, and tree and tree. Okay, so I'm giving my comment according to what he has said. You council in here, please work with the people in here, especially item number nine, that agency. Have been planting tree by forcing people to accept it. People tell them no many years, they still continue to harass and continue to plant tree. And you know what happens? When those of you grow a little bit and all this shadowing in there, nobody takes care of it and the owner has to pay for it. I'm just letting you know. So I got a on on here, the tree. Trees are good, but trees are good when it's good when people welcome a tree outside your home. Thank you.
0: Thank you.
1: All right, See no additional callers in the queue. Public comment on item 7 is closed with the chair's permission. We can proceed to item 8 committee report. The speaker's Nicholas Crawford, planning and funding committee chair. This item is for discussion.
5: Good morning, so I am, uh. Acclimating to sitting over here in the, uh, planning and funding committee chairs designated, uh, seat, but just to uh, recap what we talked about our most recent meeting on January 2nd, uh, we talked about the strategic planning and uh, broke that down to some uh, things that we wanted to work on. I I wasn't taking good notes because at the time I didn't think I would be (laughs) reporting out on this, Uh, but do you you have- That's that's right. And we mentioned that since this is a 20
2: year anniversary of the Urban Forest Council, we'll prepare a little one paragraph description of, and I will take the lead on that, of the council and of our work and where we fit into the universe of tree management in San Francisco. Um, and we talked about some potential future priorities, but nothing urgent. So, and I do want to thank Nick Crawford for taking on the role of the chair of the planning and funding committee. Thank you very much.
5: Thank you. I promise to have prepared report Comments going forward, I I think we during the meeting, we did touch on, uh, the um, funding for the staff that support urban forestry council and the, uh, the leadership of, uh, SF environment have proposed increased funding uh, for that. Uh, I think that again, similar to Spencer's comments, it's a tight budget year to ask for more. I, I don't know if that will um get funded by all of the the partner agencies uh I'm hopeful but I think that one of the big values there is to just keep asking for it to articulate the need and define what additional staff uh could do for the Council or you know really fully funding an entire position for the Council uh and how how much value that would add and then I think there will also be on the council to really use that staff person in a meaningful way and make sure that their work is amplifying what, what we're doing here. So that's it goes both ways for us.
0: Great. Thank you very much.
4: I can add a little bit from Please. my notes. Yes, yeah, so the other things that we touched on in there were um, a couple of action items for the like uh, council members, which would include um, council members or council staff attending outside uh, meetings. Um, ooh that is a bad sentence uh
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right and also potentially visiting the board of supervisors members to again just yeah. introduce the the work of the council and a couple of people volunteered already but if we have more volunteers we'd love to take them I'll take you up on it uh, very informal simply exactly as it sounds like mm-hmm. going into supervisor staff and introducing our work and saying hey you know this is what the council is and this is why you might want to engage.
4: Yeah, uh, so there's also included uh, a little bit more, proact- so the proactive uh, policy and communications with the Board of Supervisors in the Mayor's Office. Uh, it's also included a few visits to different uh, important natural sites in the city. Um, and uh, during that meeting, um, Pam was also appointed to as chair of the Landmark tree Committee. Uh, so congratulations, Pam. Um, And uh, I think that that was actually, that was it. Yeah, just a couple other things. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Jesus. Yes, we forgot
2: to mention in our officer's introduction that we have new chairs of both Planning and Funding Committee, Nicholas Crawford, and of the Landmark Tree Ad Hoc Committee, Pam Nagel. So, thank you both. Terrific. Thank you very much, Jesus. Um, Anything else on that, or should we go to public comment
1: for the... Committee reports sure through the chair. We'll now open it up to public comment. Are there any members of the public wish to comment on this item? Again, this is the committee report. Okay. And seeing none, we can proceed to item 9 staff report on recent work performed by the urban forestry program on behalf of the urban forestry council. The speaker is Jesus, Lozano, urban forestry
4: council coordinator. This item is for discussion. Yeah, um, so I think a lot of my time since our last meeting has been spent on this report. Um, you know, a few things kind of being updated, um, since the data wise, since our last meeting, um, I've also, uh, put in a good amount of time on, like, just getting information on the shothole bar, um, situation over the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, a, a pretty fun update is that, um. I I think at at council, we've discussed a a number of times um, the review of major projects. I'm happy to report that um, in talks with the uh, planning department and Department of public works. uh, We've got a pretty good uh, system now. So, um. Those will be coming now, like, there's no further discussion needed on on what that's going to look like really what's going to happen is um, I'm going to be regularly checking in with uh, Bureau of urban forestry staff to make sure there are any um, major projects that they are reviewing um, that might be of interest uh, for the council. Um, And then if those are identified, um. Bureau of Urban forestry staff will pre- prepare a, a, a briefing for, for council members um, and um, our, our planning um, department member will um, help schedule a, um, a a person from that would be the sponsor of the major project to come to the council um, and present to us and, and have that discussion here. So it, it'll be a little bit more structured than than us having to review the. The project ourselves, um, what else there's been Oh, um, at the last meeting, there was interest in including a section on 20 years of different, um, species preferences from, um, as reported in, in this document, um, the, I, I started putting that together, um, it didn't seem like the Best analysis to like include in here, just because the variety of agencies that report and how much the discrepancies and how much trees they plant are are pretty widely different. Um, but I would still like to pick that discussion back up uh, once we're talking uh, potentially about um, our our street tree list uh, updates. Um, that that that's all I can think of right now. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Jesus.
2: And yes, Jesus has been at these wonderful meetings on the shuttle border. So, yeah, this unfortunately will take up everyone's
4: time. So. Um. Oh, one last thing. Um I've also um, kind of been getting to know a few of the new staff over at Friends of the Urban Forest, um, and they've invited me um, to attend some of their um, uh, kind of uh community meetings where they are is like a, a community engagement opportunity in advance of a tree planting in the neighborhood, uh which would allow me to to answer questions for folks um that might have concerns um as voiced here today. Um and I think that seems like pretty in line with the discussion that we had at planning and funding committee meeting. Um and it's a pretty low lift. So I think I'll I'll Great. be attending those. Perfect.
0: All right, doesn't look like much of discussion. Shall we go to public comment?
1: Okay, we'll open it up for public comment. Are there any members of the public who wish to comment on item 9?
11: All right. This is the item I supposed to come for. My name is Ellen Li Zhao. I live in Silver and, and San Bruno area. I'm District 9. I visit many complaints from the neighborhoods and my neighbors in the neighborhood in this vicinity that this program, urban forest program, they do a lot of behind the door purposely plant a tree with our approval, with our public opinion, nothing, nada, this planet market planet and people oppose them and they sneak it out and come back again. So lately, because there's a lot of rain, people complain more. So I am here today to urge you councils, To work with this program and let them know if you plant a tree outside anyone's home. People pay property tax people pay damages. They have to notify them in advance and ask for an agreement, because I believe the city changed the policy. If you plant a tree in there, if the tree is dead, if the tree something's wrong, if the tree rooted to the house and break down the house, it's on your own. So the tree people plant the tree, I believe they receive a thousand dollars a tree. Am I correct? I'm not sure about that because that's what I heard. A thousand dollars a tree that you planted in people's home without people's approval. But damages with thousands and maybe a lot more than that paid by the property owner. I am here to let you know. That this urban forestry program. Need to take responsibilities. Don't force any tree in people's home outside home that property owners have to pay the repair and damages. They cannot just go and plant a tree without a signature with agreement because you dump the responsibility to the owner of the place to fix what is behind. Some of these neighbors, us in the neighborhood, I'm only specifically in my neighborhood, district number no. nine neighborhood, San Bruno and Silver Avenue area. You plant a tree in there, you have a big hole in there. We have a lot of dogs in the neighborhood. The dogs is pee and poo, pee and pee, pee, and poo all this garbage. And people sometimes dump garbage in there. So if this program, the urban forestry program to be continued. Eventually people will wake up, eventually people will rise up and sue the city. And sue the people who plant the tree with our approval and with our agreement. I believe the city has agreement with people. So it's like when you're sick. If you're sick, you go to see the doctor, you consent. You plant a tree outside people's home, you don't leave a consent, you just go and do it. So, I have a lot of complaint and that's why the, I complain to them. I make a report to them. What do they do? Oh, we need trees in San Francisco. We know that, but it has to be appropriate place appropriate location with approval and agreement. So, I'm ask, asking you as councils to let them know to work with them because you are responsible, obviously, for that too. And I know you are volunteers, but this program, receives money to do what they do. Okay,
1: thank you for your comment.
11: Thank you. Okay,
1: thank you for your comment. And see no further members of the public who wish to comment. Public comment on this item is closed. Great, thank you. All right, the next item is item 10, urban forestry council member announcements. This item is for discussion. Um, I'll go just very briefly. I want to thank
2: all the council members for serving on the council as we enter another new year. I wanna thank our staff, um, Jesus and Kyle for their steadfast and outstanding support. And I wanna thank, I've already thanked the new chairs, Pam and Nick, but now I wanna thank our outgoing chair, Andrew Sullivan, um, who, from whom I've learned a lot about staying cool under pressure <laughs> and moving meetings along and staying focused on topic and, and the work at hand. So thank you, Andrew. Um, And we will have a formal thanks to Andrew and a formal acknowledgement of all of our members, by the way, our other uh, Mr. Sullivan, Mike Sullivan. Um, We will need to um, thank Mike as well for his many years of service. And again, his his really critical involvement with some of the um, landmark tree nominations, which again, is one of these things that can go sideways very quickly. And Mike was always able to, again, stay on topic and and get us to a successful conclusion so thank you all thank you andrew especially and that's all i've got but i open it up to to
5: i I thought having two sullivans was a lot but we don't have to go down to zero sullivans uh just we're losing some some knowledge and expertise and leadership and uh uh, you'll definitely be missed and I, i appreciate it i think also that the, um, you know it's understated just what a commitment it takes to, uh, be here and be present and make it to practically every single meeting plus the committee meetings and you were there. Uh, and if you couldn't, you, you rescheduled in advance, it was always you, you had that, um, commitment and dedication and if, if you're self employed or like working in a small. Enterprise, that's I, I recognize how big of a commitment that is versus, um, you know, me being here now representing my work, but also. When I was here before wearing a different hat and, uh, basically. Paid to be here, it was uh, it was a privilege for sure. And I think I recognize just that uh, it's an even deeper personal commitment that, that you've been making all of these years and I, I really appreciate it.
0: Any other member announcements? All right, let's move on to public comment for this item. Hey, are
1: there any members of the public who wish to comment on item 10? And see none public comment on this item is closed. All right, the next item is item 11 new business future agenda items. This item is for discussion.
2: Um, I, we, we've discussed the number of things that planning and funding will bring some of those here, namely the little blurb about. Urban Forestry Council have to engage with us. We'll talk more about this public engagement by council members. So what can we do to talk to the Board of Supervisors and the public? We'll talk a lot more about the charcoal boards, unfortunately. Um, And I I think I'll leave it there and I'll I'll rely on Jesus to remind me if there is anything that we had scheduled for the near term. I think we didn't. Um, I think we, we left. Some of these things intentionally open, but tell me
4: yeah, where I'm wrong. Thing, things are a little a little open. That's um, fine. but we do have more discussion on our strategic plan and our strategic priorities coming up. Um, we have um, interest from a a person. Um, I'm struggling to remember her name right now, but uh, the the founder of Tarot AI. I feel like a few of you may have already worked together. Yeah. Um, but this, as a discussion on on uh, um, tree inventories and tree health uh, monitoring, there's um, um, I'm I'm assuming that with the approval of this report, we're interested in another version of the letter um, that we produced last year, alongside with it
2: yes that's a very good point actually and that should be very easy to produce um let's you and i work on like a one paragraph thing very very brief again thank you spencer for pointing out we need to be cognizant of the budget situation so we'll uh, make sure that the language is
4: um appropriately careful and um
2: that's that's good that is actually a near term
4: yeah aside from that um i I can't think of anything new just like um hopefully in the next within the next meeting or so we have new members we great new member introductions terrific that 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 would be wonderful do you wanna
5: uh, have a future item about the c n r a grant Th- our tree planting uh grant money yes. in uh soma tenderloin
2: yes let's put that let's put that in nick
4: i if you'll lead that appreciate yeah, it here more yeah
2: because i don't yeah i don't really know much about it great let's let's see nra okay
4: and and then to, in addition to that um i think both uh department of public works and uh R- 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 uh, rep, and park are uh, wrapping up the re, um, structuring of their IRA grants. So, oh, okay. um, so maybe if discussion also well, soon, whenever that. Whenever that matures, so to say, yeah,
5: R- rewriting the scope and goals to reflect what we actually got funded. Okay.
2: Great. Same here. Yeah. Great. So whenever, whenever it, you it's not hard. imminent, though. I, okay. Like, we need a little that's more time. Yeah. Okay. No, I yeah. totally understand. Whenever that's up to you, whenever. Each of you want to bring that up. Jesus will remind us, but the timeline is
0: one hundred percent up to you. Just wanted to make sure it was on the
4: Yeah.
9: um so from Ms. Zoe's concern, I think as we're speaking of growing out urban forestry, playing more tree, I don't think uh there's certain I think that might be Nick because uh. With the tree planting on street tree, but I think there's a concern people don't understand what's public and what's private, and what's who's responsible for what. And especially yeah. with planting tree, I think we have brought it up before. Do uh do people have the right to say no, or uh, how do the de- how do you decide where to put a tree in? So maybe. Just so, so and as it's going to grow into different population, I mean, we're going to go put in different neighborhood. This is not the it's not unique. I I there's certain I'm from an Asian community and a certain attitude toward trees concern and worry um, is not just in San Francisco in the South Bay. People do crazy thing to trees <laughs> that they're worried that we going to fall down. You know, my mom had to I you try uh, I'm May, i am not sure because we are uh, the council try to how do we change uh let people understand so I'm not sure it's warrant a discussion on like what does public work do to help education or uh, I, I just just to help ease the stress of the public uh, it sounds like it was a price for them for that neighborhood or uh, um you know, just so I have an understand that that way is it's going to come up again and again and again. I can see that already. If we can start putting a different tree in a different neighborhood, and people, not, I mean, people are not going to happy. They're going to they're going to damage that tree. We yeah. don't want people mm-hmm. to damage the tree.
2: y'all. You know? tree suddenly disappears. <laughs> the tree suddenly happens. cut yes. down. To the yeah. let's put that let's put that on the on the list, Jesus, for one of the future agenda items. I think we can talk about that. We can talk about what public work specifically has done, but then what other educational resources we have just to explain to people what they're responsible for and what they aren't responsible, because that has changed. Mm -hmm. That actually has fundamentally changed. Um, And I'm guessing some people might not be aware of that, that it actually no, it's not their responsibility anymore. So uh, it was at one point, but it isn't now, right. So
9: Changed. Yeah. And I think not just even uh, maintenance concern, people worry about root. I mean, that's they sure. big thing. People worry no tree because the root's going to go into the sewer system. There's certain fear. Right. So, yeah. But that's exactly. the, the
6: discussion. No because we're going to eat by car, So, you know, those are concerns relatively weak. They're good, but, you know, it's part of the consult to, to tell. The public also to educate now, and sure. so I it think is part of our yep. can add something on our website uh, that's that specific concern, for example, some maybe this website can be edited and, you know, a few items. And so we can discuss that at the, uh, as an item now um, for education for uh, the people, you know, and. Because people can always come to our meeting and things like that, ask us questions. We can't answer them back. So I think, like, we know most of the questions and everything. Like, right now we can decide maybe on some educational, uh, answer of some of the general question that we heard and put it put this in our website and for and, and redirect some of the deeper questions to the agency that actually is taking care of this, whether it's a public call or ordinance the nonsense, things like that. And I think that's probably something that we can do on our all sides without dipping too much of it in our wrong, you know, you know like any agency that manage that. Yeah. Let's, let's
2: schedule it. We can have a conversation. Maybe this is something that planning funding can take up first. But again, if it's a matter of educational materials, Maybe we can see whether we can tweak something that exists already or make something new.
0: I could envision the need for translation. I know things things are understood better if they're translated. Even when
2: this goes for people speak English, there still might be value having those materials
0: specifically.
2: Um, yeah. But Anyway,
5: let's let's that, that sounds great. Right. The only thing I potentially add would be uh, we could talk about species selection and how we can do that with property owners and uh, how we respond when when uh, right. folks feel like we we handled it incorrectly or planted the wrong uh species, even if they wanted a tree. Uh, female ginkgos come to mind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh,
4: i think i think the there's there's that that's there was a lot to unpack in, in yeah I, comment um mostly the the i think the plantings that she's referring to are are not even DVW plantings there, um, they're um that's
5: permitted it. by us with uh, done by puff done so by puff
4: yeah um and but, not
5: but i think we could invite like chris redia and maybe sierra or someone from fuff it could be a good that would be a good
2: that that's actually that's a good idea that would yeah. be a good segue into trying to invite somebody from fuff we haven't had anybody from fuff for a
4: long long time not since mike year presentation um yeah. yeah uh i know i know there's been discussion on um m- uh deferral criteria on whether or not people plant trees very recently so i think maybe it could be a presentation on what that is
2: let's let's maybe start with fuff
4: rather than starting from scratch let's start with fuff and see what
6: they how they approach this
3: deal with it every saturday
6: yeah constantly so they actually for ucsf working on our project um since we we had to remove like a bunch of trees in, in uh, public right away for uh, the new hospital. And FAF is working on planting trees. It's gonna be an, 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 on February 24th, and we're gonna plant about like, 50 or 60 trees, I can't remember, like 60 something trees. Um, that's coming up very soon. So, and there's, a... <clears throat> we use Firth uh, of the, you know, the process, but also like we wanna make sure that people we're okay to have a tree in front of the house. Yeah. And that was part of the requirement with was to work on the community. And I know that they do that on a regular basis, but we knew that when we work with Beth, that from, Buff were just telling us that you still before you plant a tree, just make sure that a neighbor is okay with it. Otherwise, it's going to be gone. So, um, let's. Let, let's
2: let's start with Faf. I, I think that's reasonable and let's hear their experiences and what they've done and what kind of support they might want from us, but also, you know, what they already have so we don't reinvent stuff. And if what they have isn't working, it'd be good to try to figure out, okay, well, what is it that that's missing?
9: Yeah, I, I, as far as I know, I, I used to be I work at PUB, so I—I I mean, you have to sign a contract. I mean, the, it sounds like this group was surprised, so I'm not sure right. the, uh, whether the PUB tree or not. But you have to agree, PUB to right. do right. not put a tree right. unless you want the tree, and you you sign responsible to have water for the next three years or something. And people do want tree, and they put it on. But sounds like this might be a, a city plan, uh, next is not city planning, as far as you know. Uh, no. Uh,
5: it sounded like fuff. Uh, it's not fun project. Yeah,
9: yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe there's certain protocol where I mean, certain parts, especially they want to greening this whole corridor, right. and then right. without they, a consent. Of, yeah, it's right. they specific.
2: No, I, yeah, I understand the I understand the challenge. Okay,
9: let's let's bring them. In. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. We, we start talking about oh, the yeah. discussion. But yeah, we can't we, we can't we can't discuss.
2: discussing this. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, we're we're future future agenda item. Terrific. Anything else?
0: I come
6: Please. I'm taking some picture of the city. Basically, our tree size, placing, bass, and things like that. So I, wanna, so I just want to look at opportunity to add more trees now. And because we the site is too small or things like that, and looking at an a infra- possible infrastructure p- opportunity to add trees. Um and it seems crazy because you say, oh, the sidewalk is only two foot, you know, eighteen foot wide, uh, of like two uh you know, like three foot wide and everything. A lot of sidewalk are that big. And sometimes you get a big metro sodeos and you have only eighteen inches between the house and to go next to it. So but it's all those different things in a city. See it's not uniform the way it's been built, The know, you ideas, you mm-hmm. know. So um someone tells stuff taking some pictures or recently connect to this it's, it's it's like a TA and um
0: hanging and adding and some uh chance and something, some ideas
6: and that
2: on okay, wonderful trees and small base inside of situations. Got it. You, you will be on the agenda for the planning and funding whenever you want. All right, anybody
1: else future. Through the chair, uh, we can open it up for public comment. Are there any members of the public who wish to comment on item
0: 11? Okay, And uh, seeing none, public comment on this item is closed. Wonderful, and through the chair, we can proceed
1: to item 12 adjournment. The meeting is adjourned. The time is 1026. am. Thank you for
0: joining us. Thank you all. All right. right.